You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. For previous episodes, visit thinkingcountry.com or find the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud by searching for Meet the Farmers. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Meet the Farmers. I'm on the seventh leg of my road trip. Um, I'm into North Wales and I'm visiting Emily Roberts, who is a beef and sheep farmer running Welsh black cattle and Welsh mountain sheep. The farm extends at its highest point to just shy of 3,000 feet. And there's some interesting uh, energy diversification going on here. Emily, thank you so much for having me. this morning, anyway, I finally found you after a, after a little getting a little bit lost this morning, but it's and it, it's not raining. No, it's changed. Last few days it's been horrendous, but uh, when the sun is shining, it's a beautiful place to live. Before we started recording, you raised the point actually that you've diversified into hydro. Perhaps let's start with that um, and uh, yeah, talk me about your your renewable energy plan, how you how you got into it. Well, the river running through the farm was uh, recognised as a potential site. Then we did some, had some consultants in, did some research. And then uh, as it was a viable scheme, we uh, invested quite heavily in uh, putting a run of river hydroelectric plant in. Mm. It's a 350 kilowatts, kilowatt uh, hour scheme, which runs depending on the level of the river. Once the level of the river goes above a certain level, it extracts water, goes through the through a turbine, and then back into the river. It's, the water travels in a pipe for about two kilometres, with a drop of uh, just over 200 metres. <laughs> Tell me a bit about the farm and the local area here. Uh, you're a fourth generation farmer um, and second generation owner here. Yeah, family moved here in 1913. They just come from the adjacent valley. It was a rented farm then, and then in the Thatcher era of the eighties, the place came up on the mar- well on the market because it was a Ministry of Agriculture run farm. So they were disposing of assets in that era. Okay. So we had the option to buy, and uh, as uh, most farmers would have done, they'd. Uh, try to buy it even though interest rates were very high at the time at 15.5% so borrowing then at 3% over base it was quite a challenge but uh, you know Welsh we, and farmers we, we were quite a resilient bunch yeah. so we just got on and you know I was just leaving college I was in college at the time in, okay. in, in the old WAC in Aberystwyth Welsh yep. Agriculture College probably the best years of my life <laughs> fantastic time made a lot of friends from across Wales yep and England, and the Isle of Man. Then uh, following that, we came home to farm. It's now a 450 hectare farm, but it's, as I say, very top heavy. There's uh, 350 hectares of mountain and rough, very rough grazing. And the other 100, acre, 100 hectares is uh, lower, lower down. I wouldn't say it's low land yeah. by a long way. <laughs> and part of that is uh, very rough triple high ground as well. So, you know, yeah. It's uh, challenging today. Yeah, I was going to say, apart from apart from the, the nature of the terrain itself, what are, in terms of the business, what what are your what are your key challenges at the moment? Key challenges, uh, without mentioning that, 
<laughs> God, we're Brexit. barely five minutes in. Yeah, Brexit, <laughs> that's one of the biggest challenges because uh, we're being a hill farm, rearing Welsh mountain lambs. Most of them are 80% are pure bred, so most of them are into the light lamb market, which is uh, it's based on the, on the European trade. Yeah. And if Brexit does go ahead, as uh, the current Prime Minister is uh, planning, it could well be a no-deal Brexit 31st of October. And I said current well, Prime Minister, so, you know, the, the scene is changing. I was going to say, by, by the day, day almost, yeah. yeah. So that's one of the biggest challenges, but, you know, basically we can do a lot about it individually. So... We try and do the best we can on the pack of cars we've dealt, and that's the farm we're farming. Yeah, and this is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, in that, in that case, there is no direct control. It's it's, it's a waiting game. Yeah. But in terms of planning and, and knowing where you're going, it's it's really uncertain. Well, yeah, it's it's the lack of planning and the lack of positive vision oh. from government. That's a bit, you know, it's quite scary, really. Mm. And. Uh, but there are the Welsh government have got some schemes out. We're, we're joining a scheme now with a Welsh Welsh Hill Ram Improvement Scheme to look at trying to genetically breed a sort of heavier lamb off the current size of you. Okay. So you know we don't want to increase the size of the ewe, otherwise she won't be living. She wouldn't live up on the mountain. Yeah. For the time we you know we need her to be living up, we're hoping to well we. The ewes we got now, they live ten and a half months of the year up on the mountain. They come down end of March, the lamb beginning of April. Okay. They're up back up on the hills with their lambs middle of May. Mm. So you know it's quite a hardy. Some some people say that that I'm a bit tough for them, but you know they're here to keep me, and I'm not to keep them. That's my view. That's my view with them. Yeah. And you know if they can't uh, survive up there. They're no good to me. They're costing me a lot of money. Yeah. You know, so that's the theory I've got anyway. And so far, it's, it's, you know, it, the biggest issue with that is if we do get a long spell of snow, you know, we've got to bring them down then and supplement to feed them. But on the whole, you know, the, the milder winters and even though they are wetter, you know, we, we're getting by. Yeah. Tell me about uh, the current... Uh, Welsh Government consultations, the Sustainable Farming consultation, um, which the deadline. I mean, we're we're currently we're moving into early October at the moment. Um, there's about a month left on this. Yeah, this is a, this is a, a, a consultation responding to a, the first consultation. The first <laughs> one was Brexit on our land. This one's sustainable farming, and yeah, the the response has got to be in by the thirty first of October. Although the unions have been lobbying for. A delay in the in the consultation deadline. So far, Welsh government are are rel- very reluctant. Well, then, hell bent on not giving a, a you know delaying it. So we're trying to work on uh, responding to that and also the uh, yeah the deadline with Brexit. But the responses that the first consultation there was a an environmental element and a production element. Now we've gone for a sustainable sort of joined up thinking. That's what the, the wording's a lot more sympathetic on this consultation than it right. was on the original one, because the original one, we were land managers 
now they have accepted that we are farmers and also you know food production wasn't linked to the environment in the first one yeah it's with the second one they have realized that food production and the environment go hand in hand okay. and you know i think they enhance each other on this particular farm we've been we're in the 26th year of being in an environmental scheme so you know we've we got a fair idea of what's happening. Mm. There's, uh, you know, we've improved, the habitats have improved. There's a lot of uh, stone walls, hedges, woodlands being created and fenced off. And, you know, safeguarded for the future. And also, you know, they're good for, for stock with having the different fields and it's easier to manage the stock and also Walls, hedge, hedges, woodlands, they're all habitats. Certainly some, some aspects of the media have, have a certain vision of the uplands, let's say that. Um, there's an alternative vision of the uplands that where perhaps farming takes second place. What would your vision for the Welsh uplands be? If there weren't any sheep on these uplands, there wouldn't be any use for the tourist industry people want to uh, enjoy visiting this uh, these areas because they are what they are you know you can walk there there's wildlife about you know overgrown shrub it's no use to any wildlife you know do you think though that the rewilding argument will will gain some ground um, in the coming years do you do you see some of at least an area of the uplands going under, going down that way. Could be, could be, but uh, is it in Holland? There's been in Denmark. There's been an area yeah. that's been rewilded. Yeah, and, and five years ago, and it's been reverting. It's re- they've reverted it back now to mm. restocking mm. because everything's dying. You know, there's a reason why things are happening as they are. It's been happening now for centuries. You know. There's protein being produced on these uplands from poor forage. You know, you won't grow beans or oats or barley or anything on these upland farms. They just, uh, it'd be sterile ground with uh, scrub and God knows what. Obviously, the Welsh Government are currently under consultation yeah. um, as to this vision, um, but as far as they're concerned, do you think that there is a clear plan um, for what the upland landscape will look like in the future. I think some people within Welsh Government have got a plan or a vision, but how real that is, I'm not sure, because uh, in the consultation, one of the major things are it's going to be co-designed by uh, you know by partners, those being environmentalists and also farmers yeah. and you know people who do use the land and make a living off the land and people who basically own the land yeah you know i think land ownership is uh, one issue that people don't respect enough mm-hmm. it's like you know if we try to tell businesses how they should be run and you know how how individual house owners should run their house and garden. Mm. You know, it's it's just 
bit of lack of respect on yeah. that front, I think. I find it strangely following actually as well. It's, it's one of those that everyone seems to have an opinion on what you do. Yeah. Which you oh, don't God, get yeah. that if you're a, if you're a, an engineer or or a, you know, or a doctor or you wouldn't dream of, of offering an opinion. Exactly. But, we, uh, we for some reason in farming, it seems to be okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, we go and see a doctor for a reason. He's the expert. He's a professional. You know, we should take his his view and listen to him and uh, we, we act on it yeah. and the same should be vice versa yeah uh, so your son's currently studying agriculture at Aberystwyth yeah he's in his final year now of studying agriculture he's enjoying really enjoying the social side of it yeah. you know and uh, I don't blame him I did the same <laughs> myself uh, quite a few years ago by now but yeah following that he's quite positive about the industry yeah and I think there will be there will be opportunities, but will there be the same volume of opportunities as there is now? You know, if the market isn't there for these lighter lambs, and if the you know tariffs are going to be on the trade on the the produce will be products we'll be producing, it's, that's going to be quite challenging, but. The way Welsh Government are going with the, this new consultation, the new scheme, there'll be plenty of room for advisors. Mm-hmm. The advisors are one one thing that crops up all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, will there be enough suitably qualified and knowledgeable advisors on a you know that have got the same level of knowledge? Yeah. And what what would you say? Because I mean, quite a few farmers have mentioned this to me. If perhaps in in the UK, generally, in in all uh, all four home nations, we were to move towards increasingly towards a system that they have, say, more in Germany, where a lot of farmers will have an off farm job, which could be an advisory role. Um, which, if you have more active farmer advisors, then that will perhaps improve the system. It might improve the system, but of course, time time is a small issue. It's it's yeah, <laughs> it's you know, it's vitally important that we keep these rural communities going and people who have got knowledge of the land are kept farming and producing one of the best quality products from the land in Wales and Britain. And, you know, another thing, people on farms, we're boasting one of the best welfare standards in the world now. And and we're very willing to import lower quality products from lower quality welfare welfare sort of countries without thinking about it people there's too much buying on price alone now i feel yeah yeah from as far as the public's concerned um again quite a few people tell me that that's that message is quite muddy so actually there's price on the one hand when you go in to do your weekly shop you've always got price on your mind but also there's this idea that yes we want good quality and we want high animal welfare and we expect in britain we expect our farmers to produce in that way but perhaps we're not willing to pay for that is that a case of you can't have both surely exactly you know if you want the high welfare standards and the the best quality products you've got to be willing to pay a small premium on it you know, it keeps people on the ground, looking after the countryside, the way people want it to be. Yeah, and that's the way, isn't it? It's not, in some ways, it's not just about the product, it's about the landscape itself as well. I, it's a balance, it's a balance, you know, it's keeping people in work, keeping these rural communities going. 
you know, and also there's been a massive influx of people coming over the summer months coming into Wales, walk the mountains, especially now that the, the pound is a bit weaker against the euro. There's more people that you know staying in this country and enjoying what we've, we've got to offer in this country. Yeah. So if we get to the 31st of October and a no-deal Brexit happens, what would be the immediate impact on your business? Immediate impact, there would not be a market for a lot of our products to go overseas. You know, and there would be 48% tariff on lamb that would be exported to Europe. So in effect, we have the value of our products and you know that is not sustainable there is mention now of uh, British government looking at culling some of our lambs and I personally I don't think that is an ethical procedure to do you know if they're willing to go down that route and they're choosing to go down that route you know, you need to look into the heads of some of these guys that make the decisions. And would you say the British government is being irresponsible? Yeah, definitely. You know, when you got, you know, the government, the governors of the Bank of England, economists, business people, saying that we're going to be worse off. When the referendum was, was it three years ago? Yeah. I don't think it's anybody voted to be worse off financially or any any other means during that that vote you know i just can't can't see the way of their thinking yeah. you know we, we just as as now we are one of 28 on equal terms as it is now britain is split and europe is a lot stronger and more together than it and it's ever been, I think. Mm. Yeah, if anything, this has been a great, great thing for Europe. It's, you know, <laughs> the EU has become stronger mm. because of uh, the uh, referendum in Britain. But the politicians and the leaders of our country just can't. They don't want to see it. Mm. We will see. Right, we're going to end the podcast in the traditional way, um, which is the one-minute soapbox. So, listeners, this gives guests one minute to talk about a subject of their choice. This could be anything at all. This could be farming. It could be non-farming. Emma, do you have an idea of what you'd like to talk about? One of the biggest things is, you know, quality of life and things we do. I enjoy farming, but also I enjoy communicating outside of farming with people outside of farming and rugby. That's something on just rural communities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so Emily's going to do one minute on rural communities. Your time starts now. Rural communities, a big part of rural life that people don't see. You know, people think that countryside mainly is for food production, but rural communities, it's, you know, it's a fantastic place to live. Neighbourhoods, you know, even on the farm, we co-gather the mountains, which is, you know, three, four, five, six times a year. Guys come help me, I help them. Evenings, the, the village hall, there's a lot of things going on, you know, from there's a, there's a local show, some concerts, some gigs. 
there's a chap the chapel for people to go to on a wider scale you've got the county show which are you know takes people to look to run it Ten but you know, it's part of the rural life in this area without mentioning sports clubs youth clubs young farmers been part of the rugby before that's it <laughs> that's brilliant um, I think it's completely right and it's, it's something yeah on this podcast as well even though it's largely what it's about it's something we don't talk about enough probably and, and farming itself is connected to so many other things yeah um, oh, yeah. But it, it's all about the wider community and, and how we're yeah, that's one thing sustain. that came obvious in last year's Welsh Government consultation. Yeah. That people from outside the farming industry that responded to the consultation. Yep. So that, you know, if, if there was going to be financial impact on farming, there'd be an impact on their business as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, Evan, thank you very much for giving me some of your time. Um, it's been really good to well, meet you. Hope you can make something up to it. I'm oh, sure I can. Brilliant. Cheers. Emlyn Roberts. Next time on the road trip, I'll be visiting Claire Jones, who keeps sheep, cattle and chickens, and has a number of interesting diversifications on his farm in North Wales. Big thanks to the Mercer Charitable Foundation for supporting this episode and all the road trip episodes, to Tom Bland for all his help with production, and you, of course, for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. The more listeners we have on board, the more sustainable the podcast will be in the long run. So with that in mind as well, if you could share it with someone, I'd really appreciate that as well. If you want to see more of Meet the Farmers behind the scenes, you can follow me on Instagram at Benji underscore Eagle. Benji is B-E-N-J-Y. And there I post in my story uh, about the trips um, that I go on. For now, though, I'll look forward to joining me next time on Meet the Farmers.